0: Hi, and thanks for tuning in to Speak Up, Speech Pathology Australia's podcast. Each week, we feature an interesting, thought-provoking, and clinically relevant conversation to enhance your speech pathology practice. Let's hear from this week's contributors. Hi, and welcome to Speak Up. My name is Nadia, and I'm speaking to you today from the lands of the Wurundjeri Woi Wurrung people and the Boonarong Wurrung people of the Eastern Kulin Nation. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about succession planning and Fiona McKenney from the professional practice team here at SPA has joined us. So we're going to speak a little bit about some of the background of this and then we'll be joined by Anna Panuzzo from Workplace Plus who will discuss some of the HR topics around this area. Thanks for being here Fiona.
1: Thank you Nadia and I'm speaking to you from the lands of the Wuthering people.
0: Um, can you tell us a little bit about why we're talking about succession planning today?
1: Of course, Nadia, um, as one of the professional practice advisors at Speech Pathology Australia, I have direct contact from members who seek support and resources around a wide range of issues impacting them on them professionally. Uh, but one issue that particularly resonated was the issue of succession planning. And succession planning impacts uh, both the business owner and all the staff engaged with that business regardless of whether they are an employee or a contractor, Or even whether they are a speech pathologist or another allied health professional or admin support. It was interesting, Nadia, at this year's national conference, we took the issue of succession planning to the private practitioner forum as the topic for discussion. Out of the couple of hundred attendees who were present, only one. Practitioner nominated themselves as having a succession plan for their business. Wow. So clearly, clearly, this is an area where we can support our members in terms of putting this out there for discussion to hopefully generate greater awareness and planning. Uh, because in the unfortunate event that something unforeseen happens, there needs to be a plan for that business to continue to meet all the ethical and regulatory obligations to staff, consumers and third parties.
0: Yeah, great, Fiona. So can you tell us a little bit more about why somebody should be thinking about this?
1: Well, Nadia, no one plans to become sick or incapacitated or even worst case scenario actually die, but life is unpredictable and this does happen. Um, It is understandable that business owners are focused on the day-to-day demands of running and growing their business. And we know uh, that it's been a particularly challenging time in recent years running a business, uh, first with navigating the COVID pandemic. And now at the tail end of that, that's combined with significant business pressures in terms of cost of living and workforce planning and recruitment challenges. It's one of those things succession planning is that you may have in the back of your mind as a business owner that you will deal with it one day um, but you may never actually get around to it and regardless of of the current climate it is so important to have a business succession plan in terms of who will run your business if you're unable to and also how familiar and prepared that person is with your business in order to navigate this if you're unable to do so yourself There's also, of course, certain business structures um, such as company or incorporated structures which do have an added layer of regulatory obligation in terms of reporting and governance and that has to continue even if you as the business owner or partner or director are incapacitated. So to me, uh, reflecting on this business succession planning really should go hand in hand with business establishment. So whilst you're planning and growing and building your business, you should also be thinking about what your backup is in terms of what if you can't turn up tomorrow to run your business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So you and I actually spoke to a member who was in a bit of a tricky situation around succession planning earlier this year, and they've really generously shared some of their reflections and observations with us for the podcast today. Can you speak a little bit to the experience of that member?
1: Look, we are fortunate, Nadia, to have the reflections of this member who has generously shared their thoughts and experience with us. As you said, they did contact us uh, to protect them and with their consent, I will share their, their thoughts with you. The member says that their main message would be for people to think about succession planning as a way to protect their staff, their clients and their legacy. And as the member said, we plan to live long lives. We don't expect to die young, but it can happen at any time. So, this member was engaged as a speech pathologist within a multidisciplinary allied health business, and they experienced the traumatic and sudden death of the business owner. In terms of the setup, the business was an incorporated structure. The owner was the sole director. There was no will in place, and no partner or next of kin who were familiar with the business or even with. The work of allied health professionals and and what we do day to day so it was a very challenging situation for them
0: yeah great thank you for that Fiona um so that member has shared a few more uh, reflections with us as well is that right
1: they absolutely have and they've touched on the how it felt to be an employee at the time of this traumatic situation mm. Um, some of the points they raised were it was actually the shock and the grief they had to deal with um, in terms of the unexpected loss of someone they worked really closely with, someone who was actually quite young and not much older than the clinician themselves, and all the fallout emotionally in terms of dealing with a grieving family um, and and then all the personal grief around um, what does this mean for my job, my income, my super? Um, what happens to me in terms of my income? Um, the worry for colleagues and seeing the impact on colleagues who were in more vulnerable financial situations and wondering uh, were they going to get paid. Um, this member said, you know, they are madly trying to, to write clinical handovers, even though they knew in all likelihood they weren't. Going to be paid for their time. Um, they were didn't know how to tell clients or what to tell their clients uh, because they were told not to tell their clients because no one knew what to do. Um, it was they really had to complex very complex. And as I said, this was a multidisciplinary business, so there was lots of people working. And everyone had different ideas, different opinions uh, around what to do because no one was actually in charge. There was no one identified to take over the running of that day-to-day business. Um, and so they were all dealing with, with with grief and loss and trauma and worry and losing sleep and um, I suppose differing opinions and ideas from their colleagues as well, which all added to the stress and trauma and anxiety of dealing with this in real time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Were there some things that this member identified that might have helped?
1: They felt that a plan, which is what we're talking about today, a succession plan for the business around what would happen or should happen would have been a roadmap uh, that would have helped enormously in terms of uh, those left behind uh, trying to work out what to do. Um, They felt there was even things like the contact details would be helpful in terms of who to contact to set a plan in action. For example, no-one knew who the business accountant was or whether there was a solicitor involved. Um, They felt that a designated person within the business in terms of identifying responsibilities within that business or what is required to happen maybe having a list of things to consider as well. For example, um, do we contact the NDIS? Do we contact our insurers? How do we inform people? What are our obligations in contacting ASIC around the company structure? How do we we tell our clients? Um, They felt that some policies and procedures would have been incredibly helpful in this situation. And especially... um, In light of the fact that the people who did uh, come in as next of kin, again, were unfamiliar with the nature of the business, with the nature of allied health and what would be involved in terms of record keeping and uh, obligations around informing clients.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of things to think about. Mm -hmm. It sounds as well like being able to think about these sorts of things in advance really does help out those people that are Um, left to pick up the pieces at that point in time. It's an Mm. act of kindness, I think, isn't it?
1: Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely, it is. Um, Needless to say, the person whose business it was would not have wanted their staff to be put in this position.
0: Yeah. Okay. So thinking further ahead, if there are other people who find themselves in a similar sort of situation, what was this member's advice to them?
1: Well, I'm pleased, Nadia, that they found that contacting us at Speech Pathology Australia was a support. Um, It it was something they recommended other members in a similar situation do. This member felt that they had a lot of benefit in reaching out to us uh, at Speech Pathology Australia in terms of some general suggestions and strategies around where to seek supports and advice from different professionals. Uh, these members that they felt uh, that they could um, get support from SPA. Uh, We're not the professionals around accounting or legal or company advice or workplace advice, Nadia, but they did feel that at least we could give them some objective starting points around where to go in the midst of a very... um, chaotic situation, an emotionally um, traumatic situation, they did feel that they could speak with us to get some support. Uh, they suggested contacting your own accountant and reaching out to them for advice around what you personally will need um, when it comes to tax time in these circumstances and checking in with your professional indemnity insurer as to whether you need to uh, Note anything or request anything from that business entity uh, which could potentially impact on your your professional indemnity insurance. Documenting everything, uh, the members and making a note of who you've contacted, when you contacted them, what the advice was is critical because you will be making a lot of um, inquiries of people and uh, in the day-to-day trying to piece things together, those notes are really important. Um, Making sure you have copies of your payslips and hours worked for any hours that you've worked since your last payslip so that if you do need to uh, seek recourse around payment, that you have that information yourself and you know where it is, including contracts and engagement, um, paperwork, et cetera, as well. The person said the uncertainty about getting another job, losing a key referee, reach out to others as referees, uh, and also offer yourself as a referee to colleagues who may be worried about uh, explaining this situation to a new employer and uh, having someone to support them in terms of uh, vouching for their work in that previous workplace. Remember also said, take care of yourself, be kind to yourself. Uh, it actually feels horrible in the moment, but it will pass. Um, again, a very stressful traumatic time and the people in your team around you will respond to the grief and loss and stress in different ways so don't take anything that is said personally just take a step back take a deep breath and just process what's going on as objectively as possible and one helpful suggestion I thought was very interesting was if you can afford it give yourself a break before starting a new job give yourself a chance to breathe process what has happened catch up on sleep. Um, so I felt that was actually very personal and very salient uh, advice if yeah. for anyone in a similar position.
0: Some great advice in there for
1: sure. Mm, so thank you to that member for sharing that. So
0: Fiona, is
1: succession planning
0: only if the business owner has passed away or there's been an accident and they're, they're no longer able to practice or is it a bit more broad than that?
1: Oh, you're absolutely right, Nadia. It is broader than that. I suppose the conversation with member that we've related is more around, um, something, uh, unfortunate has happened or tragic has happened. Mm -hmm. But succession planning is what will happen to my business under any circumstances. So I might want to sell it and hand it over to someone else because I'm retiring or I'm moving out of the industry. So it's really important to have a succession plan uh, to cover lots of different circumstances um, that might come up with your business. For sure. Thank you.
0: Fiona and I are now joined by Anna Panuzzo from Workplace Plus. Hi, Anna. Thanks for being here.
2: Hello, Anna. Hi, Nadia. Hi, Fiona. Thank you very much.
0: Pleasure. Um, can you tell us a little bit by starting out with just what is a succession plan? What does that look like?
2: Um, no problem at all. Um, so a succession planning is, is something that businesses do as part of their continuing, continuous planning. And it's it's a process where a business will decide um who will take over when your business um, who will take over in the future of your business will it when you retire or there's an unexpected uh, event that might occur mm-hmm. so succession planning is um, it 's something that we try as part of your strategic planning and part of your business plan is to think about it on an annual basis so when you look at your marketing plan or your business plan or your strategy plan your strategic planning, you also need to look at what is what is my future plan if if we need to to um, exit the business or want to sell or something occurs? So it is something we should address, and it is also something that, as a business owner, you are managing your risk just in case something occurs. Great yeah. question, Nadia. <laughs>
0: um, so great to know what it what it is. Can you tell us a bit more about what it looks like on a day to day basis?
2: Yeah. Um, it generally, it it generally looks like you, it's a bit like having a business plan really. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is something it's about some of the key considerations that I think you need to have here is that you start looking at it and planning early. So it's, it's a pro it's, it's a preventative or a proactivity, yeah. um, when you're planning early and you're planning well. So you may look at things like who might be my business successor.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What are the logistics? What are the communication processes that I might need to look at? So when I look at communication, how what what are the who are the key people I will need to inform? Staff and clients. Yeah. What are my obligations to the staff and to clients? And when we talk about staff, we also talk about contractors, suppliers, other providers that you might have with NDIS or other partnerships. Um, The other thing that you might look at is um, should I go into insolvency or into administration? Because we have had over the last few years significant disruption to business during the pandemic, and a number of businesses, um, organisations that have been going for 8 to 10 years, they're looking at, What's the future plan and will I continue? So they're looking at closing up. Either um, they can't financially sustain themselves anymore, so they might go into administration or insolvency. The other thing is when you're looking at succession plan, um, what do I do if there's an illness or death? Who might take over? Do I need to have a will? Uh, do I need to have some, a legal representative? Who's my accountant? What documents do I need? And who else needs to know um, how I'm running the business? What occurs if something happens to me? And then as I said at the beginning, you do need to review your plan every 12 months because your successor might change.
0: Yeah. Your
2: circumstances should may change. And it's a bit like when you're commencing your business, you also need to plan um, what happens if you need to close. So it's important to review that plan on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, great. Um, One of the things that I think people will quite often think in their um, individual, very small private practices that a lot of speech pathologists have is, why can't just my colleagues take this? Why can't I just give it to somebody else? Why do I need to have it all formalised and documented?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that's a really good question and, and really when we're talking about a practice or a business, we are talking about a, a number of um, different commercial structures and relationships and assets that, that are used to generate an income. It's not simply a matter of employees, partners, spouse or children picking up where you left off and continuing to run your business. There, there are lots of legal formalities that need to navigate before they can continue running or writing up your business. And I have a bit of a resource that I found on, um, and I'll share it with you at Great. the end. Um, I found it on um, a website called legal123.com.au and it talks about what happens to my business. And it's, it's a nice little caricature animated information. And first of all, it sort of says things like, have you written a will? Do you have a power of attorney? How many of us have even thought of that? <laughs> um, have you? What's your company structure? Is it a proprietary limited? Is it a sole trader? What is it? So you you should ensure you have a company um, constitution and a shareholders agreement if you have shareholders. So you may have staff who are part of the business and have um, uh, in partnership. You should have shareholders agreement because they will have an impact. Um, and an involvement in the succession plan. Um, If you have partners, like I said, partnerships, do you have an agreement? Is that formal? My advice is that it should be. Appoint a successor. So when you're thinking about these things, appoint a successor. It might be someone different in 10 years, but initially appoint someone that you think will be someone that you would like um, to succeed you, but also... Have the have the discussion with them, telling them that you're you're allocating them as a successor. Draft a business continuing plan. So so it's important to have those plans in place and written, and everyone is is who is part of that plan is aware of it and participates. So really, they're some of the key things that the legal um, organisations recommend, and I always recommend. But in terms of your your question, it's not simple just handing it over to a colleague. But in saying that, there may be someone who you know in the business is interested in taking the the business up or the organisation, the practice, and you may have that conversation. So it's not unheard of for maybe someone within the practice that is interested in taking over that practice. And there is a whole number of different legal uh, requirements that you go through but it's not just automatic there is a process to go through
1: yeah so great. it sounds like Anna, that conversation having that conversation is the key starting point in terms of discussing with a colleague or someone else uh, what your intent or plans are for your business correct Fiona yes that's mm. that's that
2: early proactivity that you do um And planning well that you have those discussions. Yes. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Um, So what happens if there isn't a will?
2: It's a bit like dying without a will. Mm -hmm. So what normally happens is your business activities will be frozen and your next of kin or business partners will have to apply to the courts to obtain authorization to continue to run a business and to run your business. So there is a legal process. And so once things are frozen, that means that nothing can move. Right. And nothing can continue. Yeah.
0: So a lot more um, useful for everyone involved if it's been thought about in advance and it's all sorted out. Yeah. Yeah. I would
1: also imagine, sorry, Anna, that process could take some time in terms of going through the courts.
0: Yes. yes, yes. If
2: you've ever had a family member who has not had a will, it can take up to a year wow. for it to go through the court system. So, so that's a huge impact for a business who has, who the main principal um, director has died, and the business is frozen, and um, the accounts are frozen, the clients are no, you know, don't know what's happening. Um it could take a whole whole year for the financials to be sorted, and even individuals who are employees to be paid, so it can take that that sort of duration
0: that would be very stressful for everyone involved
2: correct mm-hmm.
0: correct so if you are an employee, what are your obligations if you find yourself in this situation, and is it different that if you're a contractor
2: mm-hmm. um As an employee, your obligations are as your employment contract.
0: Um,
2: So you still have an obligation to continue providing a service unless the business has frozen and is closed. Mm -hmm. Um, So you continue, if the business continues, then you continue to provide services to clients, um, etc. For a contractor, it's, it's similar. If you've got a contractor engagement, with the organisation and that continues and you have work that will continue. Um, the issue there is it's more about whether the there's been any communication or whether the business has um, frozen. But if it hasn't frozen and it's continued, you have an obligation to continue providing the service.
1: Anna, can I ask you a slightly tricky question there as an employee? Uh, if I am obliged to carry out the terms of my contract and I really no longer want to be at that workplace and my contract specifies I have to give four weeks notice period, if there is no one identified as running that business at that point in time, how do I actually give notice or can I give notice um, to seize my employment in agreement with the terms of my Contract because I may choose to just cut my losses and get another job somewhere yep, else.
2: Yep, yep. Um, generally in those circumstances, even if there isn't clarity of who the director, there would be a next of kin or someone legal representative or an accountant. And generally if you're the employee and you want to move on, you may negotiate to rather than provide the four weeks notice in your employment contract is negotiate um, providing minimal notice and uh, leave in lieu of notice and but advise the various representatives look there isn't a lot more here to do and I need I'm not sure about I'm feeling a bit insecure I'm not sure where the future holds here but I would like to pursue other opportunities. I do have a notice period here but I, I'm wanting to see if I can negotiate and give you um, immediate notice in lieu of notice. That might work for some organizations. Um, I would talk to the accountant or the legal represent or who the next of kin is, who is continually um, still h- having the organisation opened.
0: Yeah. I think it's important to note here as well that if somebody does find themselves in this situation, reach out to SPA, reach out to Workplace Plus, reach out to any legal representation that you have as well and just ensure that you're acting in accordance with your contract and that you've got the most up-to-date advice as well.
2: Yes. That is um, very important.
0: Yeah. Um, All right. So I think we've convinced everyone that they should put a succession plan in place at this stage, which is great. What do people need to do to um, start this process?
2: Okay. So look at whether you can um, have a a draft of a succession plan. So you might get some templates or you might seek advice and, and obtain information about how do I do it. You may also consider discussing it with family members Um, senior staff in the in the practice like other employees um, professional advisors financial legal hr support and some of the other key things that as a practice you should consider is we've talked a lot about who will take over as successor so this is an important thing for you to consider is it going to be family is it going to be two people is it going to be someone in the practice so you do need to think about who might take over Also, within your plan, you need to consider what happens to the practice if the owner dies. Um, So that's important. Do you have a will? Have you got a power of attorney? Do you have to talk to other people about that within the partnership agreement? That needs to be considered. The other thing is when we talk about a business who may be frozen or closed because the owner has died, who will access the bank accounts and access the will? Because that is important particularly if you've got staff who need to be paid. Because if the, if the accounts freeze, you can't access them until, one, you get a death certificate or the company business is, is arranged that someone else takes over so people won't get paid. Yeah. So that's important. How does that work? Who will access it and how will they access the will? And that, that's important. is So that that also informs how will staff get paid. Do you need to consider a temporary closure to the workplace and work out these issues? I would highly recommend any practice that is going through this sort of thing without a succession plan, without a will, without thinking all these things and unexpectedly a tragedy has occurred, then I would close the business, communicate to the clients, stakeholders, and the staff that you're closing to put a structure in place and you hope that it will be within a week. That way you've got clear strategy, structure, communication to work through those things. In that process, who will be in charge if these things occur? It could be a family member, it could be someone else in the practice. And what's your communication plan? And that needs to be clear. Who's going to communicate what? And when, so do your clients, your stakeholders, people who are waiting for payment, all those things. So there's some of the key things that as a practice owner, you need to consider when you're doing this.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. Um, okay. This is a question for both Anna and Fiona. Um, Anna, I might start with you. Are there any resources that will help people out in this situation? You've mentioned a couple of templates and things. mm
2: mm-hmm. Um there is the um, the legal one, two, three what happens to my business uh, step plan guide um, if I die. Mm-hmm. So there is that resource. There's also um, a PowerPoint presentation that I did at the conference that is available that I can issue. But there's also resources on the business.gov. Um, succession plan for each state so you can access them um, by each state and they have a number of different information about preparing a succession plan what happens if you want to sell your business what are some of the things to do what are the appropriate structures so they're generally they're pretty really good resources for
1: um, members to access
0: great thank you Fiona do you have any more to add
1: Anna has covered a lot of them, Nadia, but I would just add also don't forget that you can contact the advisor team at Speech Pathology Australia um, and we can certainly then support you with directing you to some of those resources and we'll include our email and contact phone number uh, at the end of the podcast.
0: Yeah, so we'll make sure that all of these resources and links are in the show notes for today so that anyone who's listening along and thinking, oh, I should get onto that can, can just click through to those ones. All right. Well, look, thank you both so much for your time today. We appreciate all of your wisdom.
1: Thank Thank you. you.
0: Thanks for the invite. No worries. And make sure you tune in next time for our next conversation. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Please be sure to subscribe or follow the podcast and share it with your colleagues. You can also visit us at speechpathologyaustralia.org.au. Thanks for listening and bye for now.